Hello and welcome to the East Baltimore Graffiti Church's podcast. We are so excited to have you join us today. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at ebgraffitichurch at gmail.com or you can check us out on our website at ebgraffitichurch.org. Good morning. Good morning. I'm excited that you are here. The heat did not deter you this morning. Glad for that. We've been here in the cold, we've been here in the snow, we've been here in the cold rain and snow, and now we will add heat to that. As you uh, are grabbing your Bibles there and opening them to Romans chapter 9, Romans chapter 9, Forgive me. It's already been a busy morning here on Greenmount Avenue. So, our celebration of Romans chapter 8 ended on a high note. It ended on such a high note one would expect that Paul would begin to make application uh, here in chapter 9, but he does not. It is exciting, it is interesting uh, that Paul, who is the apostle sent by God to the Gentiles, will address the controversy over the Jews' rejection of Christ and their covenant relationship with God. So Paul, who was a Jew of the Jews, is now viewed with suspicion by his own people. So what are the implications of the gospel for God's chosen people? Remember last week we we ended on this great note. Who or what could separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, distress, hard distress, hard times, no. Famine, no. Um, even things of nakedness, persecution, no, no. And then Paul ends the chapter, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will ever be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen? So he ends on this high note, and now we will embark for the next three weeks in Romans chapter 9 and the next several weeks in Romans chapters 9 through 11, quite honestly, a lot of pastors will skip 9 through 11 and go right to 12 and then say they've preached the book of Romans. And here is why. Romans 9 is one of the most mysterious and difficult chapters in the Bible, says J.D. Greer, pastor of Summit Church, also an outgoing president of our Southern Baptist Convention. I've been nervous and a little excited about this one all week, he says. It is a crazy important chapter. Why do the Jews reject Jesus? So that's the question he starts answering in chapter 9. And, he continues, and if God failed with them, how do we know that he won't fail with us also? Right? We're not answering the question yet. Just asking the question. So this is the big question of chapter 9, particularly in verses 6 through 29. I'm not going to 29 today. Not in the heat. 
And y'all, you're glad that I'm not, right? So, how do we tackle this issue that's brought out in chapter 8 regarding predestination, calling, and choosing in salvation? Why does God call some and not others? What about the Bible passages that say, whosoever will? For God so loved the world, right, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, uh, but have everlasting life. So how do we handle that? I can preach passages of whosoever will, and I can preach, I didn't say how well, but I can preach passages of calling, election, and predestination. So, one of my favorite Baptist pastors says this, um, that Jesus did not spill one drop of his blood in vain when he went to the cross. Not one drop of Jesus' blood was wasted. So for the next three weeks as we discuss the spiritual implications of the gospel for the Jews, and by the way, making application along the way in our own lives, um, we will also tackle this tough topic of God's calling and choosing and predestination. So, this morning, for those of you taking notes, I'm going to give them to you up front. You know I will. I may stick a little closer to them today than before, but here we go. Number one, feelings. And no, I'm not going to sing the song. Is that Rod Stewart or Neil Diamond? Nevertheless, you won't hear me sing it. Feelings of sorrow and grief. Secondly, in verses uh, 6 through 13, we'll talk about the faithfulness of God. And then also in verses 6 through 13, we're going to talk about the failure of the flesh. So we have feelings of sorrow and grief, faithfulness of God, and the failure of the flesh. Okay? And we're just going to be in verses 9, 1 through 13. So here, I'm going to begin reading it. Uh, chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. I'm telling you the truth in Christ. I am not lying, Paul says. My conscience testifies with me and the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and ungriefing, yeah, unceasing grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed, separated from Christ for the sake of my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom belongs the adoption of sons, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the temple service, and the promises, whose are the fathers, and from whom is the Christ, according to the flesh, who is over all, God bless forever, amen. But it is not as though the word of God has failed, for they are not all Israel who are descended from Israel. So here I think, uh, we're going to talk about a sense of urgency. Paul had a God-given burden for his people, the Jews, and also this understanding of Israel's relationship with God that really does impact us, uh, that Old Testament covenant relationship with God that they had that does impact us as well. But let's start with Paul's sense of urgency for the Jews. Literally, and this statement is almost like a hypothetical, almost like a hypothetical statement. Paul said, yeah, that's not working, it's too close. Paul, it's in my ear. Yes, there we go, got it. Sorry about that. 
It's almost as though it's a hypothetical question Paul says, if it was ever possible for me to be accursed and for all of Israel to be saved, I would do that. Paul's not saying that God would do that or that it's It's almost one of those hypothetical statements. Paul's burden for his people, Paul's burden for the Jews. Remember who Paul is or was. He was a Jew of the Jews, right? He was uh, born in the tribe of Benjamin, circumcised on the eighth day. Remember, we don't explain that part because we're all grown-ups. We all know what it is. If you don't, ask Justin. He'll explain it to you. After, he'll explain it to you after the service. Okay. But so Paul was a Jew of the Jews. He sat under the best teachers. He was a Pharisee. Paul had it all. He had the ear of the leaders. He was a religious leader. He had the ear of the people. And yet now, what has he done? He's become one of those crazy Christ followers. So, Paul is, gets a lot of um, animosity from the Jews, his own people. He's been sent to the Gentiles. You would think God would send him to the Jews to preach the gospel, but it's all upside down, right? God sends Paul to preach the gospel to the Jews and up to the Gentiles, and yet he has this burden for his own people. And I thought to myself, um, do I have that sense of urgency about the gospel? There was a conversation last night in our house about that. There's someone that we care about who uh, is getting ready to have some surgery and we want to pray for them and just someone in our family that we really care about. Uh, and we have this sense of urgency not knowing whether or not he knows Christ. And so, um, do I currently have that sense of urgency for a particular group of people? Maybe God is calling you to missions. Maybe God has called you to spend the summer in Baltimore City. And maybe God is calling you to international. I think about Carlos in Cambodia. Pray for Carlos this week. Uh, rough over there sometimes. And the brother's coming home in August, so that's right. But God gave him a burden. He went on a trip to Cambodia, as some others of you did as well. And you've been to Cambodia, and God gave him a particular burden for the Cambodian people, particularly children, to know Christ as their Savior. So he went back, and he stayed, and he stayed longer, <laughs> because that has been God's call on his life. And sometimes God will give you a burden for someone or some people even, even alongside while you're doing something else like Paul is. So we have to be, uh, be aware of that. But really, um, really this morning, uh, I was reminded because someone was in peril this morning when I got here and they were unconscious and I feared for their safety and I don't know whether or not this person knows Christ so I'm getting ready to preach to you this morning and this person that I know and care about was in peril and I couldn't even communicate with them and my heart really hurt for several reasons but the most important one is that even if one's life is difficult here on earth eternity hangs in the balance you know 
for some, life may be good here on earth. And eternity, man, I'm telling you what, eternity could be terrible, right? The flip side of that is true as well. Someone's life could be difficult here on earth, but if they know Christ, truly know Christ and salvation, they have eternity to look forward to. And Paul has a sense of urgency. And then I said, Charlie, do you really have pastor guy, right? Spend your life, you pray with people, talk to people, preach the word. Do I have God convicted me and God is dealing with, do I have that sense of urgency about the gospel? And for whom? God may be working in your heart and in your life, preparing you for some next steps. And so you may be desiring to answer that question yourselves. So here, understanding this understanding of Israel's relationship with God, Paul mentions Paul mentions eight things here in these verses. If I took them one at a time, we'll be here all day. Um, and, and I would like to, I really would, but you wouldn't. Um, but I want to slow down for just a minute. And when we think about a, just a little bit about what we already know. Romans 1.16 says this. For I remember our key verses for the whole book of Romans that you've all memorized already. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Paul makes it very clear, first chapter, 16th verse. The Jews need the gospel just like the rest of us need the gospel. Okay, chapter 2, verse 9. There will be tribulation and distress for every soul of man who does evil, of the Jew first and also of the Greek. Jews are going to stand before God in judgment, just like Gentiles are going to, each one of us individually, stand in front of God in judgment someday. But glory and honor and peace to everyone who does good, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. But we also know this, Romans 3.23, who has sinned, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So, does that apply to the Jews as well as to the Gentiles? Absolutely. Paul makes it very clear. What about uh, 4.3? Was Abraham, right, the father of the Jews, right? That's who they named as their father. Was Abraham justified by his faith in God or by works of the law? We know that Abraham was justified by faith. I could continue. I think I will for just another moment because later in chapter 4, verses 13 and 14, for the promise to Abraham or to his descendants that he would be heir of the world, watch this, was not through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Abraham was an heir and his descendants would be heirs of the promise of God through faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, verse 14, faith is made void and the promise is nullified. If someone can be saved by the works, by the works of the law, then faith is no good. It's nullified. And we already know, and I'm not going to do that to you today, but we have already been set free from the uh, spirit of the law of sin and death, right? Okay. So Paul has made it very clear already to us that the children of Israel need the gospel. The Jews need the gospel just like we do. 
and as some of my Jewish friends would be angry with me right now to hear me preaching this so strongly. They would disagree with me. Listen to what God said in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 7. Get it right. Uh uh uh. Deuteronomy 7, starting in verse 6. Listen to what God said. This is so important. He's talking to the Jews, right? They're already uh, wandering in the desert for their disobedience to God. Probably about as warm as it is out here today, right? They're wandering in the desert, God says. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his own possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love on you or choose you because you were more in number than any of the other peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples, but because the Lord loved you and kept the oath which he swore to your forefathers. The Lord brought you out by a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery and from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. God chose you. He called you. He did it because he loved you. He told the nation of Israel, you weren't big. You weren't mighty. Y'all weren't even very pretty. He didn't really say that. Y'all weren't even very pretty, but I chose you. God, we're going to hear later in Romans chapter 9, God told Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. See, this is hard, right? This is the hard stuff, but we also hear, oh, and by the way, know therefore that the Lord your God, He is God, the faithful God, who keeps His covenant or promises and His mercy to a thousandth generation with those who love Him and keep His commandments. God is faithful to those who love Him. And if we love Him, we will obey Him. God says, I will keep my promise to a thousand generations. So we really already answered the question, but we're going to pretend we didn't, right? So we're going to go back to Romans chapter 9 because Paul has said, look at all these advantages that the Jews have had in their relationship with God. And I would like to point out I would like to point this out before we move on. Verse 5. Whose are the fathers, right? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the prophets. The, the, the Pharisees preached the scrolls in temple of the Old Testament, right? And so, and from whom is the Christ according to the flesh? Jesus Christ, his earthly, fleshly heritage, he was a direct descendant of Abraham and of David, thereby fulfilling God's promise to Abraham, fulfilling God's promise to Abraham when Christ came. And watch this. Oh, I'm giving it away. Jesus Christ fulfills the Old Testament. Jesus Christ fulfills the Old Testament. Therefore, you would think there would be this, this seamless, wonderful salvation of the nation of Israel. Do Jewish people come to know Christ? They do. Just like Gentiles do. 
God calls them, chooses them, they hear the gospel, they respond in salvation. My friend Rabbi Pristoop is wild, man. He is a messianic rabbi. He was a detective in Washington, D.C. for 20 years. I still believe he might shoot somebody if they made him mad enough. This guy is wild, right? But this guy loves Jesus, and he don't wait a whole long time to get to know you before you hear about Jesus. Rabbi Pristoop is going to tell you about Jesus. Some of our messianic Christian friends, our Jewish Christian friends, have a sense of urgency about the gospel because they understand what you and I are talking about here this morning. So Paul had a sense of urgency that broke his heart. As a matter of fact, he says, I'm telling you the truth. And then he says, I'm not lying. So Paul, that double statement there is just the emphasis. And my conscience testifies with me in the Holy Spirit. I have this is just burned into my conscience and the Holy Spirit is confirming it. I, my heart aches for my people. So for whom does your heart ache, right? And make my Jewish friends really mad. Y'all pray for me. Any of them listen to this sermon, I'm in trouble. John chapter 8. Jesus said this in verses 39 through 44. So the Jews were arguing with Jesus and they answered him and said, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you are Abraham's children, do the deeds of Abraham. I'm telling you, all of know Jesus was a beast, man. <laughs> Jesus put it on him bad. He did. But as it is, you are seeking to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. This Abraham did not do. You are doing the deeds of your father. They said to him, we were not born of fornication. We have one father, God right Pharisees right smart guys Jesus said to them if God were your father you would love me for I proceeded forth and have come from God for I have not even come on my own initiative but he sent me verse 44 you are of your father the devil and you want to do the desires of your father he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him Jesus told some Pharisees they were not of Abraham, that their daddy was the devil. Don't get me started, man. I'll start doing some Adam Sandler and then I'll get fired. But he said, your daddy is of the devil. So, Jewish Pharisees, you're not a, just because, just because you can trace your heritage back to Abraham does not mean that you are safe. Because grandma took me to church when I was a kid does not cover me for my salvation. Just because I walked the aisle when I was seven or eight, you know, I struggle with child salvation. You know, God does his work. God calls God saves. But just because I went to church with mom and dad when I was a kid does not save me. Just because I did some good deeds is not going to save me. These Jewish folks lived some sincere, legalistic, religious lives and missed faith in God entirely. But you already know about that because you have paid careful attention to Romans 1 through 8. So, so we hear what Jesus said to the Pharisees in, Rome, in, in John chapter 8 and we move on. And we're going to begin to see the faithfulness of God and the failure of the flesh. Verse verse uh, 6 I'll read it again and then continue but it is not as though the word of God has failed 
for they are not all Israel who are descended from Israel, nor are they all children because they are Abraham's descendants. But through Isaac, your descendants will be named. That is, it is not the children of the flesh who are children of God, but the children of the promise who are regarded as descendants. For this is the word of promise. At this time I will come and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but there was Rebekah also. When she had conceived twins by one man, our father Isaac. For though the twins were not yet born and had not yet done anything good or bad, so that God's purpose according to his choice would stand, not because of works, but because of him who calls. It was said to her, the older will serve the younger. Just that it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. There's some good stuff going on here. So we're getting, Paul makes like 23 Old Testament references um, in chapters 9 through 11 here. And the majority, over a third of them, are in the book, to the book of Isaiah. And next week we'll hear uh, even a couple from the book of Hosea, which I had to prepare for in order to be ready, not to be bawling up here next Sunday morning. So, so we're going to see the faithfulness of God here. So, he talks about Abraham, he talks about Isaac. He talks about Sarah having a son. If you remember, I had this all ready for you this morning, let me get it right. If you remember, Abraham and Sarah were childless. God said, I will give you a son. Sarah laughed. I did that. She's 90 years old. When Isaac was born, Abraham was 100, and she was about 90 years old. When the angels told him they were going to have a child, she giggled. I don't know if she got in trouble for it, but she did. So, but here's what we're going to see. Abraham This was the part This is the part that I didn't want to get wrong. I'm off a little here, excuse me. So, Abraham kind of jumps the gun, right? He goes and hangs out with Hagar, his, uh, one of his uh, concubines or maids, and makes a baby. Thinks maybe that's how God's going to fulfill his purpose, right? Nope. Ishmael is born, right? But guess what God does? God also makes a promise to Ishmael as well. And God kept that promise. But he said... Ishmael is not going to be the child of promise. Isaac is going to be the child of promise. Why? Because I said so. Wow. Can God do that? He's God. You see, so before anything happened, God had already determined that Sarah was going to have the child of promise, who was going to fulfill God's promise to Abraham. And then 
Isaac and Rebecca get married and they have the twins and in their tradition and in their heritage the older would receive the blessing but God said the older is going to serve the younger and Jacob I have loved and Esau I have hated hold on God I thought the older kid was supposed to receive the blessing and carry the promise and, the, and God said yep and I did it anyway so we see that God does not necessarily do what we would do so let me get back here so through Isaac then your descendants will be named so even in the Old Testament and Paul's explaining it here that God uh, and I think verse um, verse 11 is very important here because in verse 11 we hear purpose choice and calling God was working out his purposes he chose the younger to rule over the older and it was because of him who calls watch this but it was determined before they were born so Jacob nor Esau had done anything that would cause God to act differently than God was already going to act and I think the deeper meaning and application for us is there is nothing that you and I can do or not do that will change God's plans for us and for others but also when I think about it in salvation if you are a follower of Jesus Christ God had already determined that he had already called you before the earth was ever created he was going to call you he had his purposes he has his plan he chose you and he called you and just like in Deuteronomy chapter 7 not because you did anything good and not because you did anything worse than the next person but because God loved you loves you and chose you so what God said in Deuteronomy he's still saying in Romans chapter 9 to us and to the Jews who would in fact have a difficult time with this message and then so what we see intertwined here um, and by the way you remember God fulfilled his promise to Ishmael as well Ishmael became the nation or the people of Edom which is where present-day uh, Jordan is and there were a nation of people God fulfilled his promise to Ishmael but Ishmael was not the child of promise through whom the Christ would come right and so as we round things out here there is nothing that man has done or could do that will alter that will alter God's purposes as a matter of fact well I won't do that now so has God changed his mind gone back on his word to Israel and turned his back on them absolutely not but salvation is not a Jewish birthright so election God's choosing is based entirely in God 
and has absolutely nothing to do with human activity that should hearten us and encourage us because you know what that means that leads us back to the sovereignty of God that God is in charge God is in control God is sovereign and he has chosen to place his favor his grace on you extend his mercy to you and choose you to be his child if in fact you are a follower of Jesus Christ so all of that to say we will continue answering this question really in verse 6 it was a statement has the word of God or the God's keeping his word has the word of God failed so far it sounds like it has not next week the question is asked uh, once again that was already asked in chapter 3 what shall we say then verse 14 there is no injustice with God is there so is God just or flip it around um, why is God merciful the way he is why does God extend his mercy to some and not to others and we'll talk some more about the Old Testament and Pharaoh and we'll talk about why God judges the way he does and we'll continue in chapter 9 we will stop for today but I would like for the challenge to us today for the challenge to us today to be uh, simply like Paul for whom has God given you a burden to share the gospel with um, do I feel a sense of urgency about the gospel people will die people will spend eternity separated from God we if you're a follower of Jesus you will spend eternity in the beautiful presence of God reunited with loved ones who have gone on before you in the presence of Jesus no more crying no more tears no more death we have all of that to look forward to are we sharing that with others with a sense of urgency and is God calling you um, to have a particular burden <laughs> I use the word particular has God given you a particular burden uh, for a group of people or a person if so don't ignore that but God like the Jews God has set his affection on you you have value you have great value God loves you and you do have the opportunity if you are not a child of God to become one today you can ask me about that if you would like to I would love to share the gospel with you uh, if you want to be certain that you are a follower of Jesus Christ so the next couple of weeks we'll wrestle with this uh, passage this chapter uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer father God I do pray this morning that as we continue in worship and as we consider the truth of your word Lord that we will celebrate your great love for us in calling us to salvation but Lord God that we will also search our hearts and ask the question do I have a sense of urgency about sharing the gospel your love with others may that be our hearts prayer today Lord God you examine our hearts through your Holy Spirit you convince you convict you encourage Lord God you love we thank you in Jesus name Amen.